0: Welcome to Connecting with Coincidence with psychiatrist Bernard David Beitman, M.D. Dr. Beitman is the founder of the Coincidence Project. The project encourages people like you to tell each other coincidence stories. To learn more about Dr. Beitman's work, put Connecting with Coincidence in your web browser. You'll find his book, his Psychology Today blog, and the interviews from this podcast. And now your host, Bernard Beitman, M.D.,
1: Welcome to Connecting with Coincidence. I am your host, Dr. Bernard Beitman, MD. I'm a psychiatrist, and I'm still doing that psychotherapy because I like it a lot. Uh, I study meaningful coincidences like synchronicity and serendipity because many of them are very useful, including in psychotherapy, and their possible explanations for, provide us clues about how reality works. I'm trying to understand Consciousness and clues come from coincidences about how what that kind of confusing but big idea is about. Uh, my new book, uh, Meaningful Coincidences, is out, and you can uh, order it if any place you can get your books. Anyway, a um, story I'm going to tell today um, uh, is is also on my website. And it took place uh, during the second autumn at Swarthmore College, where I went to school uh, in 1961. Uh, I ran the opening kickoff of the second half for a 97-yard touchdown against one of our arch rivals, the Pennsylvania Military College. We were the intellectual wimps, and they were the muscle men just three miles away from us. I had often imagined running an opening kickoff back for a touchdown. And this was the second time my imagination had come true. It's a great feeling. And it's, it was one of my favorite things to do. And the video of that run is, um, is on my website, which is coincider.com. If you look at that, if you look at that, the pattern of the run, uh, it resembles the shape of the 12th letter of the Hebrew alphabet, Lamed. Uh, early Hebrew letters were pictographs uh, of common images in their surroundings. Aleph, the first letter, for example, represented an ox, and Beth or Base, the second letter, represented house. Lamed represented an ox goat or shepherd's staff used to direct sheep by pushing or pulling them. It was also used as a weapon against predators to defend and protect the sheep. Another meaning of Lamed is toward, as moving something like oxen and sheep in a specific direction. And that led to the letter meaning authority, or currently can also mean leader of the flock, or teacher. So I ran the modern Hebrew letter Lamed, starting at the bottom of the letter, going right, going up, going across. But then the upper part was a little... uh, Skewed from the way the letter works because I was getting tired. Right now, I'm the founder of the Coincidence Project, perhaps fulfilling the promise of that wonderful run. And today, we're going to be talking with Catherine Shaneberg, who is very much involved with imagining things, not so much with words, and in between words and uh, in between words and images are pictographs which are both, which are letters, but they also represent reality uh, in visual terms. Uh, Dr. Schoenberg is an internationally renowned transpersonal psychologist, lecturer, teacher, visionary, and award-winning author, grounded in the Kabbalah of life. Her work integrates timeless wisdom and modern Western traditions to catalyze creative manifestations at all levels in all areas of life. And I like to think what she talks about has something to do with my imagining running open and kickoff back for touchdowns. Personal and professional, communal and global, as well as all other areas of life. She created the School of Images based on her profound realization of the power of images to create, manifest, and transform. As a master of this work, she has developed an approach and body of techniques using dreams, images, and inner gazing to communicate with our subconscious and change our lives. And this is her book um, that is filled with suggestions about how to use your imagination to do lots of things, including manifest and including manifestation of things that might be good for you. So, Catherine, welcome to connecting with coincidence.
0: Well, it's a wonderful coincidence to be here <laughs> with you.
1: Well, I'm glad we made it. It was not. This was not easy, but here you are, here I am. So we did it. We did it. <laughs> so you you are carrying with you. Uh, a major tradition, a major kabbalistic tradition been going on for many years. Uh, That's more than a few. 800 years of of which you are the current um, uh, representative and spokesperson. And and the way you got into this was a series of coincidences involving your teacher Colette. So please tell us about the remarkable coincidences that led to your meeting Colette and therefore, for your writing this book, as well as other books, the Kabbalah of Light and other books that uh, are part of this tradition that you're trying to bring to uh, modern life.
0: Well, the story really starts right at the beginning when I was a tiny child and I was already doing the work. I was helping people. Um, But creating images to to help them. I always talk about the lady in the um, empty uh, parking lot across from us and she was a homeless person. Every night I would wave to her but I would also surround her with a blanket of blue light and I was persuaded and I was sure I knew that this was helping her to keep warm And indeed she waved to me every night also. So I stood at the window and I did that little work with her. As a child, I was doing that all the time. Um, And as this, as I grew, I was wondering how images really, how images could change people or how changing their images could change them. So when I did go to college, um I went to art history because I was totally lost as to how I was going to manifest what I understood
1: I'm sorry you went um, to where
0: I went to college to art history
1: to art history. I went to
0: in in Paris the Sorbonne in Paris and, and the Sorbonne
1: Louvre, mm-hmm.
0: the Louvre from uh, school um and I wanted to do my PhD on this how do images move people well this did not go too well with my advisors who didn't want me to do that. So I left art history and found myself quite at a loss. And then um, I got a uh, scholarship to Harvard actually to continue to study this. But I kept on hearing, you've been all over the Middle East. I had gone all over the Middle East. Um, You now need to go to Israel. So I ended up On the kibbutz in israel totally at a loss why was there but i always tried to follow my inner voice and the inner voice said it very loudly you've got to go to israel could you tell us
1: could you tell us about your that inner voice because it's so important for people to know it's there
0: everybody knows it's there actually if they hear it And the inner voice is saying, this is not good, this is good, do this, don't do that, Uh, don't go out with this person. (laughs) We don't always listen to it. That's the real issue. It's very small, very simple. The Bible calls it the still small voice. And indeed, it's very simple. Yes, no, turn right, uh, go to Israel. It's not explaining anything. It's just saying what needs to be done so anyway I ended up in Israel instead of going to Harvard and uh it was a very dark time because I had no idea why I was there until after the Yom Kippur war I was there during the Yom Kippur war and just
1: 1960
0: after that, 1967 the Yom Kippur war no you're talking about the no that the Yom Kippur war was later <laughs> so anyway um um I met some French people and they talked to me about Jerusalem. They lived in Jerusalem. And I said, how is the French community in Jerusalem? And one of them said, well, it revolves around a, a a very well known lady, a socialite, and her name is Colette. And the moment he said Colette, my head exploded into light. I mean, it was a, a very powerful manifestation. So I decided to go and see Colette. Now I knew nothing about her. She was a socialite that the French community revolved around. But I I went three, four times to Jerusalem, which was far, and um, insisted he would take me, but the young man was afraid to go. But finally he took me. And I remember coming down those steps into her garden. She was sitting in the garden and uh i sat in front of her and she was a very frightening lady because she was very powerful i could see that immediately and she said to me what do you want
1: <laughs> what do you want what what do you <laughs> want yes <laughs> what do you
0: want and to my utter surprise i said i want you to teach me how images move people <laughs> Now this was stunning because I had no idea she was a teacher. I had no idea what she did. So that started off my um, relationship or my apprenticeship with Colette because it turned out she was a very, very uh, renowned teacher. One of the two women Kabbalists in Israel But she never talked to me about Kabbalah she only had me do these imaginal exercises. And through all these imaginal exercises, I was writing down everything that I saw that she made me uh, look at, close your eyes, breathe out. uh, And she would open a window for me and I would start traveling in the imaginal world. A year later, I still didn't know she was a Kabbalist. I still didn't know much about her. Except that now I knew she was a teacher, and that I was madly, madly in love with her as a teacher and as a mentor. And I, my aunt, who who is from Algeria, as my mother is, or was, um, came to visit. And I said to her, well, why don't we go and see my teacher, Colette? Okay, so she said, okay, we went to, to visit that evening. The house was always open and Colette was always in her house. Um, It was her offering to people. She never left her home. So it was always an open home. So in the evening, we went to visit and we walk into the big room and Colette is sitting there and my aunt, who was also called Colette came in and suddenly to my utter amazement, Colette gets up and they embrace laughing and hugging, Colette, Colette, how are you? (laughs) It was totally stunning. Um, It turned out that my aunt Colette had gone to school with her in Algeria in, and that my mother had lived across the street from Colette, from my teacher Colette. So that was the first enormous coincidence, if you want, um, that they knew each other. They knew who they were. My mother wasn't knowing her as well, but my aunt had gone to the same uh, class. So they were the same age. I le- so
1: I would li- a- I'd like to i like to pull you back to where uh, you first heard the the name Colette and your head exploded. And it, you describe that as a manifestation. Now, I your head exploded. Now it turns out for good reason because your mother and your aunt were connected with her, particularly your aunt. But what? Do, what? Please explain to us manifestation and head explosion. How How do those words come together?
0: Well, I. I don't know why it's called a manifestation, but what what happened was uh, an inner vision that was so powerful. um, An inner knowing that was so completely, uh, overtook me completely. I mean, it was like fainting, it was uh, so intense and powerful that it took me then, it manifested in the way it took me to Jerusalem. I was in the Negev. So it was a three and a half hour uh, uh, trip by bus. It was complicated at the time to get from from the Negev to Jerusalem. And I went three times. And I actually, because he wouldn't take me, the young man wouldn't take me to see her, um, I moved to Jerusalem. I left the kibbutz and moved to Jerusalem. So it was that powerful, right? That the vision, whatever that vision meant, galvanized me to move to Jerusalem to find a job (laughs) there to manifest an an apartment and to force him to finally take me to see this lady Colette.
1: you, you, You somehow not just knew but physiologically emotionally whatever words you want to use recognized that name that person was vital to your life. And that, mo- that and that's that that's part of the what's important for people to learn here is that you're able, you've been able to say things like, I want to see how vi- imagination or can move people, or how visuals can move people. You said that to her, you've, you are operating on a non rational and according to the way we think about things way, you're able to be able to be moved by inputs and inner experiences, both outside and inside, that get you to do things and you've learned early on to be confident about those experiences directing you in the best way for you.
0: That is true. Um, but we are all moved we don't necessarily follow it. We are full of doubts, we're full of uh, questions. Mommy and daddy said, you have to go to this school and everything in you is saying, I have to go to, to the to art school, but mommy and daddy say, I have to go to uh, to economics or political school. And so we, we don't follow the inner knowing. The inner knowing is, is a language of the body. I mean, the sub, and, and I, it's the subconscious that really moves us in this manner. Um, the subconscious is our, our body language, if you want, our dream language. We ha- we're filled, we're like a cauldron, filled with millions of bits of information, in form. So for some reason, the name itself had a, a vibration, that informed everything that i that i knew and understood about life
1: informed you explosively
0: explosively yes. Explosively. And when i sit in front of her and i said i want you to teach me how images move people her response was i've waited for you a long time
1: ah i'm glad we got to that one uh, yes. there's a there's an old saying what you're seeking is also seeking you and that was and, and you've got a really good example of that. I, I we have a difference of opinion here, Catherine. I think you came into this world more highly tuned to inner voices than many people are. And you're trying to teach people to be able to do what you came into this world being able to do, because hearing a name and feeling an explosion like that of, of something. Um, And then seeing how it manifested in how you, Colette, the two Colettes knew each other so well, and that this was going to be your life's work. That's that's not that common to come into the world with that kind of ability, like the blue light you put around the homeless person across the street. So I'm going to, we differ. It's in everybody to be able to do this, but you come to the world with a special ability, which I'm so glad. You are getting out there, and I'm getting a some sense of. So, let's let's go back to the two colettes embracing each other as part of your story.
0: Well, the story. I mean, they embraced. They they chatted. They gossiped. They had a wildly happy time together. And my aunt went back home. Um, but the story does continue, um, and and much much later. Um, I was traveling in France alone, actually, because I dropped my son off in Biarritz and I was traveling all through the south of France and the south of France, um, according to Colette, was part of their ancestry. All her cousins, uh, they they were big families that were very well known in in the south of France as princes of the Jewish communities in uh, around Toulouse and around uh, Montpellier and all these areas um, where there were big Jewish communities. And I was looking to find traces of all of this. There were no traces. It was as if the French had erased the history. Um, there had been, some historians talk about it, A, a uh, in the ninth century, a way uh, how do you call that a way
1: Program? A, program.
0: No, no, not a pogrom. Uh, a place where there were, uh, there was, there were royal princes of, of Jewish descent that were mm-hmm. called Nazis. And so I was looking and I couldn't find anything. But one day I ended up in a little bookstore and um, right in front of me, there was a book talking of coincidences and serendipity. There was the book. And it was a book on the Jews of the 12th century in the south of France. So I pick up the book and I open it. And the first thing that I see is my mother's maiden name. So I'm completely stunned because um, I'm thinking, well, it may be another family. It may be so. So I went on a, a large, a long term quest through the internet and other, other ways and means to find out who the, these two were. Now, I finally ended up at my cousins. They had done a long study of their origins. And as he said to me very poetically, um, well, it lost in the the fogs of time, the Kelah family were uh, Jews, and that they lived. At Le so I said to him, "Is Luchila the place where we originate?" And he said, "Yes." Now Luchila was exactly one mile away from the great yeshiva of Isaac the Blind, whose uh, whose teachings I represent. So it was it was it was more than stunning. It was just eight hundred years came back to me. My mother. Was of course not at all a Jew and very anti-Semitic, um, in a in a normal <laughs> Algerian French Algerian way. Um, so it was it was uh incredible to realize that that memory had had stayed or come back through me, and yeah. that I had found yeah, and that I it was uh recognized as a spiritual
1: daughter. Yeah, and to be a mile away from uh, Isaac the Blind, whose teachings you are now, through the centuries, uh, helping to keep getting out there. But your mother, was your mother not Jewish?
0: No. So None uh, of the family you know at the time the jews converted to be able to survive now yeah. this is all lost bogs of time but my mother was not jewish i converted to judaism not because i wanted to convert to judaism but because everything i was writing about everything that i understood was jewish <laughs> <sighs> So the conversion was very, very fast because the rabbis recognized this and converted me in a, in an express ex express time.
1: <laughs> Get her through this fast. Okay. We're gonna make her Jew real fast. And so you I guess we would call you Jewish now? Yes, I guess we would.
0: Yeah. Absolutely well
1: that the family would be a, a mile away from isaac the blind and
0: well actually they own the land on uh, which the yeshiva existed they owned the land and well,
1: the, um this is i mean i can i can see why um this is such an amazing story um as this, this kid pops into the world and uh ends up with colette in a mile from isaac the blind and all just almost like almost like you're being guided or is like you're being guided to be able to do what you are now doing uh how does that how are you and the guide related to each other what 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 is what is happening that you are from how do you imagine the guidance taking place through you
0: I I always see myself as an empty vessel. And my work has been to get out of the way because the voice is always very clear. And in fact, uh, the voice helps me in teaching very often. Um, I'll open my mouth. I have no idea what's coming out. So I listen. I, I don't even listen. The voice is speaking through me is, is the way that I understand it. But there is a, a uh, very powerful energy that moves um the moves in the teachings of course i prepare my classes and so forth but there's a a constant sense that the more i get out of the way the clearer the teaching gets
1: <laughs> the more if i, I, I get to- out of the way but there's something i don't know i've talked to a lot of people over my life and and this, uh, the blue light around the, the homeless person as a start for that and, um, and the blast when you heard Colette's name um, uh, make, you, make you an interesting person for me to, to, to study, just to, to wonder how, how you work. And your description is pretty clear, which is uh, I just let it come through me, just like what, when Colette asked you what you wanted, you didn't know what you wanted. That in a rational way, but the voice was able to tell you what you wanted, and certainly that is what you wanted and and here you are so well, not
0: only that, but I had no idea she was a teacher
1: and you had no idea she was a teacher
0: right. so
1: that tell us more about how uh, you and Colette evolved your relationship
0: well she she, she took me on
1: <laughs> she took you on. <laughs>
0: yeah i basically was there every day i was there from it depended on the seasons but in the summer i was there at 7 30 in the morning all dreams written illustrated and painted and um I, I would be sitting down with her for an hour or two um while we went through whatever dreams i had and then we went through what you know she'd take an image of the dream and start having me uh, go into the, the dream image and move with the, the imaginal world in the imaginal world. So, uh, we did, we did that and, but I stayed all day, except when I had to go and, and do my job, which was actually teaching. I, I was already teaching, but, um, I would stay there all day if other students came, I sat there with them. You're teaching. Yes. And what we
1: yeah.
0: Well, actually, because I had no way of, of earning my living in Israel, I, I wasn't speaking Hebrew. So I basically was teaching uh, groups of people bodywork, imagery, uh, not imagery. Uh, I called it yoga, but it ended up that I was teaching them imagery in the body. And so I developed a whole system of imagery in the body to move the body And there were a lot of people with very serious uh, problems because of amputees from wars and and terrorist attacks and so forth, so I developed a lot of techniques using imagery to help these people to navigate in their lives so very quickly, I had a, a big I had many classes, and I had a lot of privates, but I only worked on the physical aspects of healing. I was using the imagery that Colette was teaching me, um, that I already knew, but she was giving it to me in a formal way that made me able to become who I've become. Right? So um,
1: that's yeah, uh,
0: about, what is your therapy through images.
1: Therapy through images. Uh, you, you are radically different from uh, the, the Kabbalists that uh, I know and know of, in that you emphasize the visual, the imagery, uh, where Kabbalists have for centuries been known to be focusing on words and numbers. And that's the, that, if I, I could say, is a more masculine approach to uh, anything that might be called mystical. And what you're bringing could be called a more feminine approach, a more imaginative, more subconscious approach to image, to the Kabbalistic teaching. So how do you put the, the word number p- approach together with what you're doing, or maybe there is no connection?
0: Oh, well, there is a very big connection. But, but think of it this way, the, the Kabbalah means to receive. Now, there are two ways of understanding that. You receive it from your teacher but also you receive it from the inside, from the inner gazing. Now, I believe that what I'm, I'm working with, which is the, the direct experiencing of the inner gazing and how it's done in an authentic and, and powerful way that eliminates fantasy, um, that is the original Kabbalah. Now, from that, if, if you read, for example, the Zohar, which is a great bible of uh cabalists right yeah uh, the Spanish uh, uh book of splendor um we see the rabbis or the, the people in walking a path and and they start talking about um in the beginning God created heaven and earth and then they start to dream about that it's like a waking dream you read what they're saying it's like a waking dream so I do believe that the, the very beginnings were like that, and that people lived a more simple life, and especially in, in the, uh, in, in the, um, in Israel, um, it was a desert, a dry land. And, you know, when you walk in the desert, you start dreaming. You can't help it. And if you have big, big questions, why is there the sun and why is there the moon? Is there a God? Um, so you start to dream on those issues. And I think that the original Kabbalah came out of that. In fact, I am daring to say, and I know that rabbis won't agree with me, but I do believe that the whole of, of the biblical text is a, a vast dream.
1: Well, what we mean by dream now it gets expanded. Uh, the recording okay. of a dream. Uh, um. Uh, one question that I have about the, is 12th century, I think, uh, Abraham Abulafia uh, yeah. had a form of meditation in which he would put a letter in his imagination, a Hebrew letter in his imagination, and watch how that letter evolved in his, imagine, in his imagination. And that's the closest I've been able to read about what you're describing in the Kabbalistic writings that I've been familiar
0: with. Well, you said very, very clearly that the letters, the letters have a form. And it, that form is, is let's say, a, a archetypal form, if you want. Yeah. And so if you take the bet, the B, it's like a house, but it's also like a container. But it has a way in and a way out. So that archetypal form has power. Um, so. I think that Abu La'fia, you know, started developing his own system of Kabbalah. There are thousands of systems of Kabbalah, right? yeah. And in it, he he concentrated on these archetypal forms and the names of God. And so he switched the letters, and so the whole thing was scrambling the brain, scrambling the mental, so that you could fall into the the subconscious. Uh, mind which is the, the mind of experiencing the mind of dreaming but he did it in a formal way scrambling it's very complex what he does um, and I I am not in favor of it um, I think that it's much safer for people to start exploring their own uh, dream field what I call the dream field right? which is the, 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 the that whole vast experiencing we have bits of information millions of bits of information and they keep on coming from all over the place right and so we're, we're living with our own personal dream fields as well as our familial dream fields where there's a lot of coincidences that happen right and our uh, uh, national dream fields global dream fields we are we are imbued with that now, If we only think with the left brain, it's causal, mental, analytical. But let's say you gather all those facts and then you ask your subconscious, well, should I be uh, talking with uh, uh, Bernard today? And the inside shows uh, a beautiful flower. Okay. So my subconscious, after I've gathered my facts and, and dropped my question into the subconscious mind, my conscious mind turns into the subconscious mind and drops the question, this vast, vast uh, cauldron of information goes pulls itself together and shows me an image. And it's speaking to me in an image.
1: Beautiful. The idea that you can ask the question and that question helps collect the information you have access to, which is a lot, And then gives you a a quick response. That's describing how your mind has been working for a long time, and which you train other people to be able to do themselves. That's a
0: right. I do.
1: That that's one of the funny things about any teacher that comes up with a school for me is like it's all based on the teacher's experience, and you can't get away from that the teacher is saying, this is the way I do it, and it might be useful to you. Would that be fair to say?
0: No, this is a methodology. This is a very precise methodology, and it's been going on for 800 years. And I believe much before Isaac the Blind and the Kabbalists that surrounded him and so forth. By the way, Colette's uh, family lineage is traced right back to one of the rabbis around Isaac the Blind. So they have direct knowledge of this teaching, right? But no, it's a methodology. And you can teach it to anyone. You don't have to be Jewish to do it.
1: I hope not. It's,
0: no, not at all. Um, because everybody dreams, everybody hovers over the darkness of their <laughs> questioning. And then a light appears and and. A form appears. It's like talking to us in, in, in charades or in a picture book. Right? Yeah. It's the body, like... talks, body talks in experience, it doesn't talk in, in mental uh, constructs.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Now, I told you uh, before we started about a dream that I had, um, and that was just last night. And to me, it had something to do with uh, meeting you, too. Uh, when I, as a therapist, when people have dreams, uh, and they usually don't, or it's a weird dream. I think it has something to do with what they want to talk about with me, or even has to do something with me. So I thought, okay, well, it's been really difficult to be able to make our arrangement, but we are doing it. And it's wonderful that we have been able to connect. But that dream, as I told you, was I was lying in bed and this was early in the night, uh, and uh, I think there was somebody next to me. Uh, I live alone. And then I thought there was somebody in the house. Now, I thought that person was uh, a, a young, a, a, a younger person, a, a kind of um, adolescent, maybe an older adolescent. Uh, and there was nothing threatening necessarily about that person, just that person was in the house. And I was in the dream state, uh, where you, when you're dreaming, you can't move, your body is tends to be paralyzed for good reason, because otherwise you might run around. And some people do. That's another story. So I kept saying, I can't move. And then then I made myself move. And I woke up and I was in my regular bed in my regular house, not this dark kind of almost ominous place uh, with somebody unknown next to me and this adolescent male in the house. And you, you were going to perhaps help me and through that help our audience to understand how you, you work with images like that.
0: Well, the, the person in the bed with you is male or female?
1: I, I don't know. Uh, I'm is- the, per- the person that I'm that I have uh, asked to live with me. Uh, and I play with both male and female identities so that we are recognizing the male and female in each of us. And I recognize yeah. the male in her. So it's probably could be her, but I don't know what the gender was.
0: Well, I mean, the, from my point of view, as a dreamer, as a secondary dreamer of this dream, <laughs> I am in bed with somebody that I long to have in my bed, but I'm also frightened of having in my bed. The, the person in the house, to me, is my younger self, my uh, uh, youthful self that is trying to awaken me to a possibility that i have maybe given up on for a long long time Um, so um, if i were to work with somebody having this kind of a dream i would maybe go back into the dream and and meet the younger self what does the younger self want that's the younger self this person in the bed
1: the younger self would have liked to meet her when I was younger, is what I would like to be able to suggest. <laughs> <Of
0: course. laughs> but the universe has given you that possibility today. <laughs> and we have to take, for all we're worth, we have to grab uh, joy.
1: What, what we got right now is what we got. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Well, that was... That, you know, the
0: talent that says, um, for every... Every pleasure you, you have been offered and you haven't taken, you'll be called to account.
1: What does that mean, called to account?
0: It means that in the other world, you'll be questioned. Why didn't you in- take this pleasure that you were offered?
1: Okay. We offered
0: it to you, not take it. What's wrong with
1: you? How come you didn't do it? Okay, that's good. That's good. And what you did was become a secondary dreamer. Right. And uh, tell us about being a secondary dreamer. You just demonstrated it, but tell us a little bit more about what that is.
0: Well, I could look at you and say, Brandon, this is what it means. What am I doing to you when I'm saying that?
1: You're telling me your opinion of what it means.
0: Exactly. And that, that's not what it's about. It's really about opening the dream. Opening um which is actually what Joseph in the Bible does. He opens the dreams, right? But opening the dream means, well, from my point of view, this is like a diamond and I can see this facet of it. And then another secondary dreamer, let's say we have a group of 14 people and each one of them has a different facet of this diamond, right? By the end, the original dreamer not only has resonated to certain things that had been said, but is seeing more possibilities, more, uh, more richness to what has been happening in his dream.
1: Well, the difference, that, the difference is, it's not an intellectual necessarily a description of from the other person, it's the other person trying to get into my experience and seeing what it might look like from inside where I am. And that's, that's, a, that's a wonderful uh, way of thinking about things, Catherine. It, re- it, it really is. Uh, it's
0: not about thinking of things, it's really the, the power of the, the imagination to be able to go and step in your shoes for a moment. It's very useful that I'm having a terrible fight with you and I don't know why. So I go in, in my dream body and step in your shoes and I see you looking at me thinking, um, she, she's this or she's that. And that teaches me how you feel. So then I come back into my own body and I look at you and the feeling is very different. Now I understand why you're upset with me. And I can maybe say something that will, uh, assuage and 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 uh transform the city so the imagination has the power to be fluid whereas we live in manifestation i mean the kabbalah is very very clear about that we go we have four worlds the world of the big bang the world of creation where the, the archetypal movements um you know up down left right all these cre- creation movements exists, the world of um, formation, which is the world of dreams Mm. and imagination, and then the world of manifestation. Now what we do is we go back towards the original light, which is the world of the Big Bang, right? But we go through, we go back through the world of the imagination because it's the most fluid and. I have moved from manifestation to an energetic pattern. And when I look at the energetic pattern, I may actually see in the energetic pattern something that needs to be repaired.
1: Right? Say that again, please.
0: Something that needs to be repaired. Uh-huh. So for example, I... <clears throat> I've gone back into my dreaming and I'm having troubles with my partner. And I <clears throat> and then I see in the dreaming that there's a blocked well. And that's part of the imaginal, uh, uh, dreaming that I have around my partner. And so, um, I go back into the image to unblock the well. And then the images start to flow again. The water starts to flow again. Well, Doing that in the Imaginal Realm will immediately affect the Manifest World and the relationship with the partner. I don't have to say anything to the partner. I've done it in the dream world and it's going to immediately affect the Manifest World. I've worked on it with the energetic pattern, but it's going to affect the Manifest World.
1: That is profound.
0: That's the work of this school, of the lineage that I teach.
1: That's the lineage that you teach. Now I understand what you mean about the relationship between imagination and uh, manifestations, because you're, you're talking about uh, the four worlds, uh, and one of them, the imaginal world, you change that, and then you get the result in the, uh, in the physical world. An yeah, emotional you,
0: don't world. you don't change it just because you want to change it. That would be a willful use, and it would be fantasy. You you respond to the necessity of the image itself.
1: Uh, you respond to the ne- you respond to what the image is beckoning you to do.
0: Exactly. Nice.
1: <laughs> well, part of uh, what I try to help people do, including myself, is imagining the other. To ima- Imagining the mind of the other person. Imagining the experience of the other person. Uh, how does that fit with what you're teaching?
0: Exactly. It's, we've just talked about it. I, I will close my eyes and go and leave my physical body and, and in my dream body, I'll go and stand in your shoes.
1: Well, that's the key part is to leave your physical body and go stand in my shoes and to imagine me. And then you're you're fluid. I mean, the word fluid is really important here. You're you're fluid. Uh, You're able to 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 do that easily. And so what you do is help people become more fluid in being able to move in the way you just described and to be able to see what the image is beckoning you to do, not put it on there, but you're there the well is blocked unblock the well is what the image is beckoning you to do what what might be the image in my dream being beckoning me to do
0: i would think as i said to you that what it's beckoning me to do is to go and talk to the young man
1: to go and talk to the okay so i'm gonna go talk to i'm gonna go talk to young bernie biteman and see what he's got to tell me okay i'll do that I know <laughs> I've been talking to him kind of and now you're making it a little clearer that it's a good thing to do. we we we're, we're getting getting near the end and I want to be able to to uh to get uh get some other to understand what you mean by the dream field. <coughs> because I imagine that we share this dream field with other people. That we're all immersed in this dream field or we not.
0: Immer- we're immersed in a vast um, dream field that's called the cosmos.
1: Called the cosmos.
0: Yes. And this is the meaning of the old word of cosmos, which is we're connected. And so we're connected, but we're going to be more connected. I may be more connected to you because I'm interested in coincidences. So I turn the radio on to coincidences and boom, I have access to you. I may not have access to somebody who's interested in in finances, and I'm not interested in finances, so I'd have less of a connection. We have deeper, stronger connections, let's say, through family dream fields or through uh, national dream fields, right? So the whole cosmos is a vast dreaming um, tapestry, if you want.
1: I've come up with a, a, a smaller uh, vision of the dream field, of, not that there isn't the cosmic one, but I, th- I think of uh, the dream field, I call it our mental atmosphere. And that it's like our physical atmosphere that we exchange energy and information with. There's a lot of stuff floating around in there. And again, the way you said it, the closer we are to people for various various ways, the more we share things with each other and the more connected we are. And that for coincidences, show us, they map some of those ways that we are connected. So that's... that's sure. That's uh, maybe it's a different terminology, but I think but the dream field you're describing has more visual in it than I as a kind of uh, intellectually trained uh, psychiatrist um, have in mind. And what you're helping me do is do the um, uh, visualization, the imagination more, because I love to imagine I like I'd rather not do words, but I'd rather imagine things like running for an opening Running an opening kickoff for a touchdown. I like imagining things and ha- and having them happen if it fits right. So well,
0: I... it, gen- it generally does. What you imagine is what you're going to to manifest. So somebody who who is negative and imagines negative results will get a negative result because our imagination is very powerful. Now, if we can clear the subconscious and then imagine a positive result, um, we'll get there. It can, but it can only happen if this is part of um, responding to what the image is beckoning us to do. So if somebody were to say to me, um, you can become president of the United States, well, I would have to say uh, impossible because it's not my dreaming.
1: It's got to be be within the capacity of the person where he or she is in life.
0: Exactly. And that that capacity is our dreaming. I mean, if you look, I have a lot of students, I may have even 50, 60 people in a room, but every single one of them is going to do the same exercise and have a totally different image, a different style, a different something. Right. so um they they are they're going to be oriented in the way that their particular inner organization works
1: i have and to do not, i i have to have do to be, it, it's the respect of the other person's difference from you and almost rejoicing in it uh like seeing that perspective as kind of potentially augmenting your perspective or your feeling or your image of what the way things are. I have to do that with coincidences, because a lot of people have a lot of different ideas about what makes them happen. And I've got some of my ideas like a lot of them. There's a lot of potential explanations and ways of thinking about. It. So I just like listen to what people say, and I I try to imagine I will even more what they're thinking about and just leave it alone, because that's what they're doing in their path through this life. and. That's how they that's how they're thinking about it and feeling about it and imagining it. And you're doing you do some of the stuff that I like to do with such ease, Catherine. Uh, It's just kind of like helping me. And I hope our audience kind of uh, stop the resistance we have to being able to imagine and go deeply into our imaginations and be able to enjoy the experience. For one thing, I mean, it's fun to do that and then to be able to. It's fun. It's just fun. It's like better than the movies. It's a kind of your own movie. And then like with the well, you see what you run into something and you say, well, okay, maybe I this." now I see what I need to do. And so I'll unblock the well and get those emotions going.
0: It's certainly much easier than trying to fight against the resistant manifest world. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: so I always
0: tell them- for example, couples who are fighting don't go into the kitchen and repeat the same old things. Go back into your room and dream, dream about the other. Now we have. I have very specific exercises to help, but it clears the way.
1: Well, one of the exercises you have on page one forty is uh, is the uh, one forty one is the walk. You call it. Yeah, and uh, it 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 follows from uh, a story about a, a, a deco table that your husband wanted, yeah. um, and uh, there it was. Uh, now you ran into it, and and
0: no, I didn't run into it. I let the dreaming take me where I needed to go. <laughs> he was going to divorce.
1: Me. Yeah, you... if
0: you don't put the table tomorrow, I'm going to divorce you. And I had no idea where to get a table. I was new to New York anyway. And uh, I had no idea where they were um, furniture stores. So it's, I let the dream. In. When, you me you let
1: the, when you say you let the dream, what did you what do you what did you do in letting the dream take you there?
0: It's a it's an attitude. Uh, it's a an inner space. It's an and inner. And then he said, well, we've had the coffee now in Soho, we've had the coffee. Now what? I said, I don't know, but I'm going out. So we went out of the coffee shop. We went down the street and I said, and I'm going into this thrift store. So he got very upset and then I'm going upstairs. And then he was pulling at my coat. You can't go upstairs. We're here to buy a table, not to go into a thrift shop. And upstairs was a magnificent art deco table. And I can still see his his face signing the check in silence and it was $1,000 which was ridiculous for what it was. You know this was worth at least $25,000. But anyway we got our deco table that's in the dining room here.
1: <laughs> uh, uh, it, it was fun. Yeah that, that, that's, really, that's really fun and, and I call that uh, inner GPS. Uh, the ability to get where you need to be without knowing how you got there and that's exactly. that's just what you're talking about so I I'm enjoying the kind of overlap different language uh, f- with what we're talking about because that uh, it's and you are informing me informing I mean giving me yeah. information here about Bernie you're saying indirectly maybe you better use your imagination more than you do uh, because you like it anyway, and it's really more fun. and
0: Well, I believe that the, that there we have two brains. And we have the left brain, which is your causal analytical brain. And it needs to turn back to look into the subconscious brain. Once that's... it's due diligence, let's turn back and look in. And the subconscious will then answer in a very clear...
1: That's, thing. The, that's the basic... That's a basic message of yours, uh, uh, and I think that's I think that's a very good place for uh, us to end. And I, w- I want to thank you for very much for a highly imaginative discussion today. It's imaginal, I just imagine this. I was having trouble imagining we'd ever connect, and we have done it. We have manifested, and I so much appreciate uh, not only the overlap in some of what we're thinking, but the kind of loosening you have been giving me, uh, in and I hope our audience in being able to rely on our our subconscious information store to be able to imagine what we need to do. Exactly,
0: Thanks. it's going to show us in Revelation. Sun, boom. Boom. Good to do.
1: Wonderful. <laughs> so, uh, as, uh, as us Germans might say, danke, schön, but not the French. No,
0: thank
1: I'm French. You're so French. I <laughs> <Merci>. <laughs> and I'll say au revoir and, uh, and thank you again.
0: Thank you so much. <laughs> this is our mental atmosphere. 've cost consciousness